Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 10th of February, 2022. This is episode 543 of Bitcoin. And if you'd like to support this, you can do so through Podcasting 2.0. It's my favorite way because I get to actually see the Satoshis streaming into my lightning node, which is about a foot and a half, two feet away from me in a Raspberry Pi box. I, I mean, it's like this $40 computer. Yeah, it cost me more to actually get it all, all you know, my lightning node and, and Bitcoin full node all set up because I need a, you know, a terabyte SSD hard drive. So yes, it costs more, but the actual board that's running everything is about 45, maybe 50 bucks, uh, probably a little bit more right now because they're kind of harder to get, but be that as it may, you can stream me Satoshis directly to my node, which is a foot and a half away from me, while I stream you these dulcet tones of the Bitcoin and podcast. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start, though. Um, let's start with The Verge, a uh, way, way purple-haired, far-left uh, establishment rag, okay? Uh, this one is indicative <clears throat> of how the media works. I'm just going to say that. Let's just go ahead and read it. And then we'll get into how this works here in a second. The Verge, uh, Andrew J. Hawkins is writing, The anti-vax Canadian truckers want you to talk about Bitcoin. (laughs) Canada Unity 2022, the group of anti-vaccine protesters who have snarled traffic in Ottawa and earned accolades in the right-wing media want to talk to you about Bitcoin. A handful of the group's organizers held a presser Wednesday that quickly devolved into a presentation on the popular form of cryptocurrency, confusing many of their supporters who were watching online. Quote, are we at a press conference for Freedom Convoy 2020 or having some guy shove Bitcoin down our throats? One commenter griped, very disappointed. I came to see updates about progress made by our truckers. The convoy protest began in late January. After a loose affiliation of truckers banded together to drive from Western Canada to the nation's capital of Ottawa to voice opposition to COVID-19. But very little of that was discussed at today's press conference. The event kicked off with three of the protest movement's organizers, including Tamara Lick, a former fitness instructor and singer in the Alberta band called Blind Monday, who played a prominent role in organizing a GoFundMe campaign that raised about 10 million Canadian dollars, 7.8 million for the anti-vax protest. After spending several minutes disparaging fake news and praising supporters like Jordan Peterson, a philosopher whose work is admired by the right, the group turned to Bitcoin. B.J. Ditcher, who introduced himself as vice president and spokesperson for the Freedom Convoy, said that the group had been in touch with some of the most prominent Bitcoiners on YouTube to learn how to use cryptocurrency to raise money for their cause. Uh, GoFundMe shut down the group's fundraising campaign, campaign last week, citing violence and other unlawful activity during the demonstrations. Dichter turned the press conference over to a man named Nick, who he described as the group's Bitcoin team lead for the Freedom Convoy. Nick, sporting a thick beard and a black sweatshirt with the Bitcoin logo in the upper right-hand corner, started by settling expectations or setting expectations. Quote, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I am a liaison to the experts in the Bitcoin world. Nick said the aim was to fight for the group's freedom to raise money without being shackled by the censorship put in place by our legacy financial system. After several minutes of a lecture on the advantages of a decentralized fundraising platform, supporters watching the live stream seemed flummoxed. Quote, this is not what I thought it would be. 
thanks guys, but I'm thinking you will be losing some money support with this. Anyway, have a good day, wrote one commentator. Uh, others implored the group to ditch the Bitcoin talk and get back to the issues at hand, truckers fighting against vaccine mandates. Quote, I get the safety of donating to Bitcoin, Jesus, but why are we promoting digital currency, another wrote. In some respects, the convergence of the anti-vax protest and Bitcoin was probably inevitable. This is, this, here we go. Last month, the protest drew support from one of the biggest proponents of Bitcoin in the world, Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who tweeted Canadian truckers rule. Former President Donald Trump has voiced his support and right-wing figures from Tucker Carlson to Ben Shapiro to Michael Flynn have seized on the trucker protest. The group sees Bitcoin as a possible solution to its fundraising woes, and they may have some support too. A group of Canadian Bitcoin supporters who go by the moniker Honk Honk Hoddle have created a crypto crowdfunding campaign on the platform TallyCoin as an alternative funding portal to the Freedom Convoy. According to TallyCoin, the group has raised $1.5 billion in Satoshis with the goal of reaching $2.1 billion. Wow, there's going to be a lot to say about this. <clears throat> okay, so I started this one off by saying that the tactics uh, used here are transparent. Or they're... I'm going to... No, let, let's, let's back up. This is... Nothing has changed about the mainstream media tactics. They have over time, especially over the last few months, let's actually call it the last couple of years with all the lockdowns. It's become very transparent how these people operate. All right, so now anti-vax, the whole convoy has nothing to do with freedom. It's anti-vax, okay? They, they've clearly put that in there several, several times. In fact, hold on for a second. Let's see, uh, uh, I think it's like 10 times in in this piece that they've uh that they have uh, said anti-vaccine or anti-vax uh as part of describing the convoy okay so that's one <clears throat> now they've figured out how to connect bitcoin to that and throughout it's all right wing so this is the verge right this is lots of people read this rag why i don't know but it's it, it's a thing. So, so many people are now exposed to Bitcoin through right wing, anti-vax, and a whole host of other things like, uh, oh, violent demonstrations. They slipped in Tucker Carlson's name. They slipped in Donald Trump. Well, you always got to slip that in. What they've done is they've crafted a narrative. They haven't actually reported on, on what actually happened at this particular presser. They just crafted a narrative using some of the things that were said in the narrative as fodder for them crafting a fictitious story. There's nothing about this story that's right. But the one thing that I thought was really interesting, actually there's two things that I thought really interesting, is that now a lot of people know about Hong Kong Hoddle. That's good. There is no such thing as bad publicity. And they use the term Satoshis rather than Bitcoin However, it looks to me like they did not say how much U.S. dollar or Canadian dollar amount those Satoshis represented, which is quite large, very large. So <laughs> it's, it's rather amazing that we have to actually sit through watching the mainstream media unfold and unfurl all of their little ticks or tricks and tips and all kinds of stuff so that we can really start seeing what they've been doing to us for decades. Do not trust these people. Don't trust anybody in the media right now. I mean, seriously, don't even trust me. Now, not to let the whole Freedom Convoy, you know, 2022 go away. We're going to read this one from Bitcoin Magazine. Jesse Willems is writing it. Bitcoin fundraising for freedom truckers heats up as another fiat fundraiser falls flat. Bitcoin fundraising just gets more attractive as fiat fundraising firms are proving to be unreliable when it comes to raising donations for the truckers freedom convoy in Ottawa, Canada. Fiat fundraising platforms further added to their unreliableness as GoFundMe's replacement for the movement 
Give, Send, Go reportedly leaked passports and other personal information about the individuals who donated to the Truckers Fund. After fundraising company GoFundMe bowed to political pressure, freezing the Truckers Funds of over $9 million, protesters and donators also turned to fund or raising funds in Bitcoin given its censorship-resistant qualities. A representative of the committee raising Bitcoin donations for the truckers, known as Nobody Caribou, told Bitcoin Magazine that he will discuss at a press conference in Ottawa today. Now, this was when was this written? Because I'm thinking this was the same presser that was given yesterday. Anyway, uh, he wants to or was going to discuss why Bitcoin was chosen, how the funds will be used, why freedom money is important, why an endowment fund for truckers may be the best option to hold the donated Bitcoin. Quote, my proposal is that yes, we create an endowment yet to be approved by everyone on the board, but I'm going to push hard to show them the potential, he told Bitcoin Magazine. According to the committee member Greg Foss, Bitcoiners have raised over 14.7 Bitcoin worth more than 657,000 at the time of writing. Bitcoin Twitter user Laser Hoddle recently put forth a fundraising challenge. He will donate one BTC if nine other people join him for a total of 10 Bitcoin. Currently, eight people have joined him in the initiative so far. A member of the fundraising committee BTC Sessions told Bitcoin Magazine, quote, I'm excited if he gets that to happen. It will mean that one one millionth of all Bitcoin that will ever exist have been donated to one single cause for freedom and bodily autonomy, and that's powerful, end quote. Nobody Caribou is set to further explain the reasons for electing to place all Bitcoin donations in a trucker's endowment fund at the press conference today. The truckers are well supplied at the moment, but there may be a need for other kinds of assistance, particularly for hiring and uh, paying lawyers. The world is watching to see how this unprecedented political protest will play out. There's lots of head shaking at the bad plays being made by federal and local government in Canada. The Wall Street Journal recently reported a good understanding of why the situation looks so bizarre, stating, quote, the lesson for the COVID-19 police is that when you've lost even Canadians, arguably the most law-abiding people on the planet, you've lost the political plot, end quote. The Bitcoin community is watching with interest as the first major fundraising effort using Bitcoin attempts to raise 21 BTC for the initiative. As for the truckers in Ottawa, they're not leaving until the Charter of Rights and Freedoms is enforced and all mandates and passports are gone. So I am assuming, because I don't know, but I am presuming that this particular uh, Nobody Caribou's um, uh, and well, the the press conference that was held is not only the same press conference that The Verge reported on, but there was a video circulated yesterday that some journalists were trying to get into a press conference about the Trucker Freedom Convoy, and I assume it's the same press conference, and they were basically told no, that you don't have any integrity. And because you don't have any integrity, you can't come to the press conference. And the journalist was arguing that, well, they're not leaving unless the hotel asked them to leave. Now, I don't know how that shit turned out, but this seems to be like all about the same press conference that occurred yesterday. If that is true, please let me know. Otherwise, if I'm wrong or, or that was not, the same press conference that all these three things are related to, then please let me know as well. Okay, that's enough about truckers. What we really do want to do here is talk about divorcing cattle from the land. Um, I got a, I, I picked up a tweet from Modern Tea Man who says, do you really believe they care about your health or the planet? Quote, eliminating all animal agriculture within the next 15 years would drastically reduce greenhouse gas emissions and also pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And then he's linking to a SciTechDaily.com article about that. I'm not going to read that um, because you don't need to read it. They're wrong. Oh, do I have a PhD in, in agricultural sciences? No. Do I need one? Fuck no. Why? Because I can read a goddamn book. I can read several books. I've been reading books about this shit for the last, I don't, God only knows, three and a half years, something like that. I can't read anything else but 
stuff about pasture, stuff about carbon, you know, soil and car uh, or carbon in the soil, water retention, nutrient cycling, photosynthesis, you name it, I'm in love with it. It just is amazing that what's being fed by to the public of the world by the mainstream media is that by divorcing animals from the land that somehow or another that's going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and suck in carbon so, or somehow or another reduce the existing levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. How? How? Because they're not belching, you know, methane? What are you going to do about all the deer and the antelope and all the other wild ruminants? Are you just going to go out and slaughter them? You're going to go fucking kill them? Okay, let's say you do. Let, let's say that like all the, the, the weird liberal death cult that's going on right now that just wants to see, seemingly just wants to kill everything in their fucking path. Let's say they have their way. Did, did they understand that the land, soil, grasses, forbs, legumes, all that shit, that all of that co-evolved over hundreds of millions of years with the animal, with basically the fauna, the animals that are on top of the soil, they co-evolved, soil and animals co-evolved together. They're not, sep they're not separable. You can't divorce them. When I look at a cow, like a ruminant, that's standing eating grass, I do not see that, that animal the grass and the soil as three separate entities because they are not just because the cow moves around does not mean that that cow or the ruminal isn't 100% attached by an umbilical cord to the very depths of the soil because they are because they co-evolved over hundreds of millions of years. The soil can't live without the ruminal. The ruminal can't live without the soil. You get rid of the ruminal, the soil will die. You get rid of the soil, the ruminal will die. And what happens when you take ruminals off of land? We've had, we know that there are sections of pasture that they thought it would be good to destock or rather take all the, the ruminal animals off because, oh my God, it's like, look what they're doing. After 50 years of being destocked and no animals on that, that land, there is no, there's nothing but continued degradation. Why? When a grass grows and it goes into dormancy and kind of, you know, it kind of dies and then new grass grows from its root ball in the spring and then you repeat that cycle, you end up with a whole bunch of grasses that are covering other grasses with their dead matter and it does what? It shuts down photosynthesis. So how do you get all that grass from stop, you know, from quitting shedding itself onto the other grass plants dying and shutting down photosynthesis? That's right. You use ruminals. They mow, they mow the grass. And then the grass can continuously be in a state of photosynthesis. And as long as it's in a state of photosynthesis, it's continuously pumping CO2 from the air into the ground. When the grass dies, you have millions and millions and millions and millions of acres that are not ingesting atmospheric CO2. What these people propose is nothing more than the death of the fucking planet Earth. And if you think that they have any idea what they're doing, they don't. It is a narrative. It is a story that they are spinning for whatever reason they feel that they need to spin it for. And it's exactly like the terms that they were using in the Verge thing about the Canadian Freedom Convoy. Let's just put in Donald Trump. Let's put in some anti-vax rhetoric. Let's throw in right wing a couple of times because that always, it's the same shit. The methods of media at this point are laid so bare that once you see it, you can never unsee it. But getting back to the point here, if you take animals off of the land, your land will end up in the ocean. Because every time it rains, there will not be enough grass roots to hold onto the soil. That soil will continuously run into every stream, every river, and all of those lead to where? The ocean. Okay, so let's 
these people are very dangerous at this point because of the amount of power that they wield. The narrative that they're telling is getting through to too many people. And that shit somehow or another needs to be counterbalanced with actual truth. And one of the people that are doing actual truth is, like I said, <clears throat> Modern T-Man, or otherwise known as Texas Slim. His website for the Beef Initiative, that's hashtag Beef Initiative on Twitter, or, you know, that's what the, ha the whole hashtag thing is, uh, is live. The website for the Beef Initiative went live yesterday. It is live right now. You can go to it at beefinitiative, all one word, dot com. That's beefinitiative, all one word, dot com. It's a little slow. It's okay. You know, it's not like Texas Slim has like, you know, a shit ton of money to like get like the fastest, you know, hosting available, but it's up and it works and you can go figure out where you can go buy your beef or where your local ranchers are. There are five <clears throat> ranchers, their phone numbers and where they, where they are that are represented on that website under the products uh, tab. So you can go look at those. Texas Slim has been asking people, hey, if you know your, your rancher, contact Texas Slim, uh, get, get, through, get to him on Twitter. It's Modern T-Man, all one word. Again, that's Modern T-Man, all one word. Let him know who, where, and what your local rancher is doing, and it, he'll try to get it into the Beef Initiative website. So again, beefinitiative.com is live right now. It went live sometime last night from what I can understand. Now, let's see. Oh, <clears throat> let's finish off the whole agriculture thing with this one from Jeff Benson writing for Decrypt.co. Why the Senate Agriculture Committee holds crypto hearings. Rostin Benham, the chair of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, was on Capitol Hill this morning to argue that his agency needs added legislative authority in order to effectively regulate cryptocurrency markets. And Benham was making his case in front of the Senate Agriculture Committee. No, that's not a typo. The House and Senate Agriculture Committees are charged with overseeing the CFTC. And here's why. If you're somehow or another driving in your car and you kind of spaced out on that, let's go back. The, the U.S. Commodity and Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, is overseen by the Senate Agriculture Committee and the House Agriculture Committee. The Secretary of Agriculture <laughs> is over the CFTC in kind of in a way. Uh, I mean, it's really the House and Senate Agriculture Committees that are over CFTC, but I guarantee you that the Secretary of Ag has some shit to say about this. Continuing on, when the House Committee of Agriculture was formed in 1820, followed by the Senate Committee on Agriculture in 1825, the U.S. was largely a, an agrarian society. Over time, their duties have evolved to cover nutrition and forestry, but also the commodities produced by these industries think crops, meat, dairy, and wood. Commodities are goods or resources that are fungible. A barrel of oil or a bushel of wheat isn't unique like a non-fungible token. In 1922, Congress passed the Grain Futures Act, which established the Grain Futures Administration. The agency was tasked with regulating commodities futures markets, which were operating in the same sort of Wild West as crypto is today. Essentially, in adding to buying commodities, traders wanted, or sorry, essentially, in addition to buying commodities, traders wanted to speculate on their future prices. They do so by creating contracts between buyers and sellers. If the price goes up to X amount, the trade is made. In, let's see, the 1936 Commodity Exchange Act went further, though, amending the 1922 legislation and mandating that commodity futures and options trading be conducted on regulated exchanges. That's how, in the first half of the 20th century, the agricultural committees came to oversee financial markets. Commodities derivatives were getting traded. But if you haven't heard of the Grain Futures Administration, that's because it no longer exists. It was subsumed by the CFTC, established in 1974 under the oversight of the same committees that crafted the 1922 and 1936 acts. 
the Commodity Futures Trading Commission is responsible for all derivatives markets, not just agricultural communities. Want to hedge your Bitcoin holdings by holding an options contract to sell? You're in CFTC territory. And the Senate Agriculture Committee has something to say about that. I had no idea at all that agriculture was this embedded into commodities and futures trading. I had no idea whatsoever. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who are like going, well, duh, but I guarantee you there's just as many people out there going, what the fuck? How the hell? Now it makes sense. But it, what this really illustrates is going back to all the stuff that we were talking about from divorcing ruminants from soil and the destruction that will cause all the way to modern team man's beef initiative the fact that his beef initiative website is up and if you don't know what the beef initiative is it's about getting animal protein into the hands of people not from the big four meat packing and producer guys but by your local rancher all the way to here where now bitcoin and derivative bitcoin derivatives are being handled by cftc which has its roots back in agriculture there's a cycle here that i think we should take a very 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 long hard and intelligent look at to see just how embedded we are back into agriculture and how can agriculture move bitcoin forward because i think that that's what's going to happen i think agriculture by itself is going to make a massive push of bitcoin into the mainstream and have people figure out that they don't need to rely on the legacy financial markets anymore. We can just use Bitcoin. Now, Binance, in a sickening move, has invested $200 million in Forbes to boost consumer knowledge in Bitcoin. Helen Parts has it for Cointelegraph. Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange by trading volumes, is making a strategic investment in the 104-year-old magazine Forbes to improve consumer understanding of cryptocurrencies and blockchain. Let's hold up right there. Do you have any idea just how close this is to, the, to having people in our space get into the habit of legacy mainstream media, the narratives they spin, the bullshit stories that they have? This is dangerous. I'm not saying it's bad for Bitcoin. I'm just saying watch out because this shit can come back and bite us in the ass. I am not thrilled about Binance investing into the shit magazine that is Forbes. My God. I mean, the quote unquote woman that hacked Binance or a Bitfinex for, you know, 110 million, you know, 110,000 Bitcoin. Uh, wrote for them. No, no, well, she didn't hack it. I'm just saying that they have dubious people writing for them and their entire publication is dubious at best. And here comes CZ with $200 million to drop on Forbes, which is a failing, failing publication like all the rest of them. Continuing on, Forbes and Magnus or Magnum Opus Acquisition Limited, a publicly traded special purpose acquisition company, officially announced Thursday securing a $200 million strategic investment from Binance. Forbes previously announced plans to go public through a business combination with Magnum Opus in August of 2021, with the deal expected to close in the first quarter of this year. Binance's strategic investment will be through Binance's assumption of subscription agreements representing $200 million of commitments in the $400 million private investment in public equity that was announced along with Forbes' intention to go public. Quote, with Binance assuming existing pipe commitments, the overall size of the pipe uh, that's the whole uh, private investment in public equity. The overall size of the pipe will remain at $400 million and Binance's investment will be according to substantially the same terms as the existing pipe investors, the announcement reads. As part of the deal, Binance's chief communications officer, Patrick Hillman, and head of Binance Labs, Bill Chin, will join the Forbes Board of Directors. This is really, the, the integration here is... More, this is not something to just sneeze at, guys. According to Forbes CEO Mike Federal, the investment from Binance will help the firm get experience, network, and resources of the world's leading crypto exchange and one of the world's most successful blockchain innovators. 
Forbes is committed to demystifying the complexities and providing helpful information about blockchain technologies and all emerging digital assets, he noted. Binance co-founder and CEO CZ emphasized the importance of supporting media in the crypto industry as part of the company's commitment to boost consumer knowledge and adoption of crypto, stating, quote, as Web3 and blockchain technologies move forward and the crypto market comes of age, we know that media is an essential element to build widespread consumer understanding and education. I think what you mean is propaganda. We look forward to bolstering Forbes digital initiatives as they evolve into a next level investment insights platform, end quote. They got to do something, man. A spokesperson for Binance told Cointelegraph that their investment in Forbes, quote, would be the first investment of this kind, Web 2 had a profound impact on this media sector. We believe that Web 3 may have an equally important role to play in the future of journalism and publishing. Oh my God. I'm not even going to, there's only a paragraph left and I can't do it. This is making me sick. The, the amount of danger that is represented here is, is pretty extreme. What we've got is Forbes, a 104-year-old publication in the well, business and industry and economic space, who's backed so far in the corner that they are allowing Binance to reach out to them with $200 million. And as far as I know, Binance still does not have a fucking headquarters anywhere in the world because nobody wants to let them in. They've been kicked out of almost every country in the world, so to say. And here we have Forbes, a 104-year-old publication who is so desperate that they are willing to shake hands with somebody who doesn't even have a viable headquarters that hasn't been removed from almost every decent country in the world. I'm just saying this to me smacks of extreme desperation from both sides. Well, from Forbes side and extreme. Oh, what's the word? Oh God. Predatory. CZ is being predatory at this point. I mean, I don't blame him. But the mix of these two is going to end up probably not doing what we think it's going to do. I do not think that this is actually all that good, but it's going to happen. And we're going to have to probably fight the propaganda of shit coins all over again, but this time on a completely different stage. Ladies and gentlemen, please be prepared to do so. Let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids doing their thing. West Texas Intermediate up 1.88% to $91.35. Brent North Sea up likewise a point and a half, $92.94. Natural gas doing its thing down two and a half points to $3.90 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline up 1.7% to $2.69 a gallon. Uh, shiny metal rocks doing okay. Gold is down actually a tenth of a point to eighteen hundred and thirty-four bucks. Silver is up uh, half a point, twenty-three dollars and damn near fifty cents. Platinum is up three quarters of a point. Copper is up one point eight five percent, and palladium is up 083 percent. Agricultural futures are mostly mixed. Biggest winner today is soybean, up two point one eight percent followed by corn, which is up 2%, followed by wheat, 1.4% to the upside. Biggest loser today is coffee, one point to the downside. We have Dow down 0.18, S&P futures down 0.4, NASDAQ down 0.78, S&P is going to be up 0.36%. Do you have any idea what could have possibly happened? Yeah, the inflation numbers came out. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and look at that right square. Now, U.S. inflation hits new four-decade high of 7.5% in January. Good Lord. U.S. consumer price rises accelerated to a new four-decade. That's 40 years, people. High of 7.5% in January, just a week after the government employment report signaled a strong jobs market and fast wage growth. The United States Labor Department on Thursday reported last month's increase in the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, the most widely lied about, oh, I'm sorry, followed gauge of trafficking, sorry, tracking information in a statement on its website. 
the increase was the fastest since February 1982 and exceeded economists' predictions of 7.3%. So we went over by two-tenths of a percent on the CPI. And the CPI, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lie. Everything in the CPI is like some of the stuff that you use, but not the majority of the stuff you pay for on a month-over-month basis. Housing is not included in the CPI. Fuel is not included in the CPI. There's a lot of shit that's not included in the CPI. There is, and I can't remember the name, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but there's, there's a place out there that has a, their own CPI gauge, and that CPI is using the exact same basket of goods and services that were included in the ni- early 1980s, late 1970s CPI. After that time, the late 70s, early 80s, more and more stuff has been deleted out of the CPI so that it doesn't look so bad as far as the inflation numbers are concerned. If the 7.5 number inflation is indeed correct, I can guarantee you that inflation is more around 17.5%, not 7.5. That's what's going on in the markets today. Real money has Bitcoin at $44,679.31. And that is after a tremendous red dildo, clearly to the downside, that happened. I mean, I I woke up and it was like, I don't know, we were up above 45,000, 45, I think we were like 45,900. And then an hour candle came and it wiped it all away. And I guess that has something to do with the CPI report because right now, Bitcoin is trading much more like a risk asset than a hedge against inflation. And that tells you that's your gauge of how much stupid has entered the space. Anyway, 250,000 transactions in the last 24 hours is 10,500 transactions per hour. 753,000 BTC sent around the horn in that period is 31,390 BTC being sent in every hour. Average transaction value is 3 BTC. Median transaction value is 0.015 BTC. Block times are low, 9 minutes and 28 seconds. 0.12 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 18.5 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With a 2.5% drop in hash rate, we are down to 191.4 exahashes per second, which is probably 100 times more security on the network than we actually need. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge. 15.5 shiny United States pennies that probably don't have a drop of copper left into them. 18,900 transactions are waiting on 23 blocks to clear. Man, that reminds me of back in the day. $860.1 billion in market capitalization is 7.18% of gold's entire market cap. We may now purchase damn near 25 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18 million. 953,879 of and 3,435 and a half of those are locked in Lightning Network valued at $155.9 million being run over and we've done it. 20,022 nodes. We are now way above 20,000 nodes. Uh, Love seeing that thing tick over. Sporting 85,968 payment channels and 76.3% of all of it is being run over Tor. That would be 11,598 Tor Lightning nodes that we know about. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. BlackRock planning to offer Bitcoin trading as per report. Namcios tells us about it from Bitcoin Magazine. The world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, is reportedly planning to offer a Bitcoin trading service to its investor clients. Three people familiar with the matter told Coindesk. BlackRock entering the Bitcoin space by offering investment products to its clients could represent a watershed moment to the digital currency, given that the New York-based firm manages over 10 trillion dollars in assets that's trillion with a t for institutional investors one of the people reportedly said that the asset manager would let its clients get access to loans by putting up cryptocurrency as collateral with client supporting uh, client support trading and then with their own credit facility 
BlackRock's over 1,500 institutional clients, which include corporate and public pensions, endowments and foundations, and sovereign wealth funds, would be able to trade Bitcoin through the Asset uh, asset Manager's integrated investment software, Aladdin, one of the people reportedly said. A second person familiar with the matter reportedly said that BlackRock was interested in getting hands-on with outright crypto and was looking at providers in the space. A third person reportedly commented that there is a working group of approximately 20 or so evaluating Bitcoin and cryptocurrency inside of BlackRock itself. Quote, they see all the flow that everyone else is getting and want to start making some money from this, the person added. BlackRock's chief executive officer, Larry Fink, said in May of last year that the asset manager was studying Bitcoin to determine whether it could offer counter-cyclical benefits, according to a Reuters report. The executive also said that cryptocurrencies could potentially play a role in long-term investing as an asset class similar to gold. In 2021, the asset manager tiptoed into Bitcoin investing through derivatives-based products traded on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, according to a filing with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Last month, BlackRock filed with the SEC to offer an exchange-traded fund that would invest in companies involved in the development, innovation, and utilization of blockchain and crypto technologies, reported Bloomberg. BlackRock also owns a significant stake in the largest corporate holder of Bitcoin, MicroStrategy, whose CEO Michael Saylor is a vocal Bitcoin bull. Okay, what to say about this? I'm not a fan of BlackRock. But these people are going to do what these people are going to do. And the fact that Bitcoin is for everyone, not just enemies and your friends and people you love and people you hate, it's for more, way more. It's for the people that we don't even know about yet. You can just group people as like, oh, that these people are good and these people are evil. I guarantee you there's other people out there that are neither good nor evil. And they get access to Bitcoin as well. Is this good for Bitcoin? Probably in, in, in so far as we'll probably get a spot Bitcoin ETF out of it. That's my, my gut is that they've been, that Gensler has been delaying the spot ETF for his friends, people like BlackRock, until they can get their feet firmly planted and get their ass firmly planted have all the infrastructure they need to be able to do all the shit that they do. And at that point, you'll see a spot, spot Bitcoin ETF. That's my gut feeling. So this is, takes us one step closer to that time. There'll probably be, a, there's probably a, I don't know, 10, maybe 12 other large companies that are doing exactly the same, but haven't said anything yet or haven't been reported on yet, but it's coming. Uh, Bitcoin spot ETF is on the horizon. Is that essentially good? Only insofar that it may balance out the bullshit derivatives, futures, ETFs that we've been seeing as wreaking havoc across the longs and well, basically across the longs in uh, in Bitcoin futures trading. I still don't know why people actually do that shit, but hey, if you, I guess if you're making money, it's fine. It just seems like a whole lot of liquidations in the long space has been going on for quite some time. You'd think people would have run out of money by now, but apparently not. In either event, we have BlackRock who's planning on getting into the whole thing and it represents $10 trillion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see, who's this one? Let's not do him. Let's do this one. Getting into some shit coinery here. Uh, I know you love it. I try to keep it where it's like about, you know, bad news about shit coin and this is no different. EOS Network Foundation reveals plans to pursue a $4.1 billion lawsuit against EOS creators. Block one. Infighting. They're like, I mean, it's like vultures turning on each other, man. I love seeing it. Ezra Reguera has it for Cointelegraph. In a new chapter in the EOS Community versus Creator Saga, the EOS Network Foundation's founder and community elected CEO, Yves LaRose, revealed that they are preparing for a legal war against EOS Creators Block One. According to LaRose, they are reviewing any potential legal action to seek $4.1 billion in damages. $4.1 billion. Currently, the EOS leader maintained that a Canadian law firm is working with them to explore what legal action that they can take against the original developers of EOS. Uh, 
In a blog post, the foundation announced that many members of the EOS community were very dissatisfied with Block One. Quote, Block One has not kept its word regarding past promises and that both the community and individual EOS users have been harmed as a result. Yeah, you harmed yourself by buying a shit coin. Last year, the foundation announced that they had gone through negotiations with Block One to find common ground. Both parties engaged in discussions in an attempt to settle the issues in a fair manner. However, ENF notes that Block One walked away from the negotiations. As a result, the block producers of EOS deemed it necessary to freeze the vesting for future EOS tokens earnings for Block One. Back in 2018, Block One conducted initial coin offering of EOS tokens, selling 900 million tokens for more than $4 billion, the biggest ICO held during that time. However, since then, many have been disappointed by the direction that the company took. What, you mean just basically rug pull in your ass? What did you expect? We warned you. We warned you multiple fucking times. And now here you are sitting on a bag of shit. Excellent work. A few months back, LaRose described EOS as a failure, citing that the market capitalization and the decrease in value, he said that it's a terrible financial and time investment. He also said that the community lost key developers and turned away from blockchain development and shifted towards asset management. That's the end of the article, but it is not the end of the story, right? Check it out. This is coming to the shitcoin near you. All of them are going to go through this. Why? Because of greed. Greed will always sow the seeds of its own destruction. And it's doing it here. It will do it in Doge because of Elon Musk. Doge was just fine all by itself. I'm not a Doge proponent. Don't get me wrong. Do do not go buy Doge. I'm just saying that for for a good handful of years, Doge was fun to watch because it was so ludicrous. And it was like, it was harmless. It was harmless. Not anymore. And their lawsuits will be presented. Why? Because these people have offices and emails and phone numbers and C-suite executives and people who have shit on the line, people who, who can be found, people who can be dragged into a fucking prison cell. That's why. This is why I Bitcoin. I don't have to worry about any of this shit. I don't hold EOS. I never did. I never would. I certainly never will. I mean, even if I was a shit coiner at this point, I certainly, after reading this, I would dump my bags. Get, if you have EOS, this is your time to punch the hell out. Now, how Intel's entrance can change the Bitcoin mining landscape, Namcios Bitcoin Magazine. When news surfaced that one of the largest computer chip makers in the world, Intel, would give a presentation about application-specific integrated circuits geared for Bitcoin mining at the International Solid State Circuit Conference, a global forum for presentation of advances in solid state circuits and systems on a chip to be held online later this month. The first logical conclusion was that the company would be presenting a new chip it had developed specifically for the activity. On the very next day, publicly listed Bitcoin miner Grid disclosed that it had signed a purchase agreement with Intel for acquiring fixed price Bitcoin mining ASIC hardware from the chip maker for orders placed before May 2023 in what appeared to be a move to secure access to Intel's new chip to be presented at the upcoming conference. However, Intel spokesperson Nicholas Muskjevic, whatever, indicated that the company had done design work around SHA-256 optimized ASICs for several years and will not unveil a new ASIC at ISIC in a statement shared with Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, the SHA-256 ASIC referred to in the paper being presented at ISIC was our first generation product exploration from 2018, the Intel statement said. In 2018, Intel indeed released a patent for a Bitcoin mining hardware accelerator with optimized message digest and message scheduler data path, which outlined a more efficient way to find a valid block hash. It claimed to be able to decrease energy usage by up to 35% while lowering financial requirements and mining more Bitcoin in the process. Intel will present the advances in its solid-state circuit designs for Bitcoin mining that have been made since that patent was filed, and that was back in 2018. 
Okay, we're we're well on our way here, <clears throat> but they will not unveil a completely new ASIC. However, Grid's purchase is indeed for a new chip that is yet to be announced. Quote, the supply agreement released as part of required U.S. Securities and Exchange disclosures from our customer concerns the second generation ASIC for which we will provide more details soon, the spokesperson added. Bitcoin Magazine talked with Fred Thiel, CEO of Marathon Digital Holdings, one of the largest publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies in the world, to gather some insights into the current shortcomings of the industry and what may help solve them in the near future. Quote, the market has been characterized over the last two years by constraints and availability of quality miners, Thiel told Bitcoin Magazine, referring to the worldwide chip shortage since the onset of the beer virus pandemic in early 2020. Bitmain, which has been the quality and performance leader in the Bitcoin miner manufacturing space since the introduction of its S19 mining rig, has solidified itself as the main ASIC maker in the world, Deal added, helped by how the chip shortage has more dramatically impacted some of the two-tier suppliers. Quote, the only reason Bitmain has the position that they have today is because of the availability of miners. If there were no constraints on a basic way for starts at the foundries, you would see many more people in this industry and Bitmain would be one of many brands and the competition would be around performance and cost of ownership and not around availability, end quote. Additionally, Bitmain has, for the most part, been able to provide the most energy efficient miners in the world, catering to a need demonstrated by Bitcoin mining companies that continually chase down the energy curve, quote, we're all very focused on being the most energy efficient miners, Teal said. We will typically always chase the most energy efficient miner because the less electricity we use, the less burden we put on the electrical infrastructure, and the less it costs us to operate. New entrants into the industry like Intel could shake Bitmain's comfortable position as the global leader in ASIC manufacturing by prompting more competition and likely leading to a greater machine availability. The onset of new developments often push old timers to pursue greater projects as it casts doubt on their ability to remain competitive without innovating. Quote, it's about removing the constraints in the industry that existed in the kind of monopoly or quasi-monopoly that Bitmain has, Teal told Bitcoin Magazine, adding that Intel's introduction as a new merchant silicon vendor is good and or as it is a new foundry capacity. Quote, so it means more overall capacity in the marketplace, Teal said. Now that Intel has come out and started talking about it, you're going to see other people wanting to protect their potential for market share by saying that they're going to be in the market too. Teal said that he expects a slew of vendors to start competing in the ASIC producing industry in the coming year as new entrants try to obtain market share and pose competition to Bitmain. Teal didn't provide more details, but hinted that there are three U.S.-based companies that have done ground-up designs and two more working on ground-up designs. There are also teams from major universities looking at ASIC manufacturing and design, he said. In the entrance of these new companies, in the industry material, uh, or sorry, if the entrance of these new companies in the industry materialize and the supply chain issues at the foundry start to resolve, hardware could commoditize ensuring or in, yeah, ensuing a race to low cost hardware, quote, and as hosting becomes more available because everybody is building out hosting capacity, I think what you're going to find is there will be very little constraint around the growth rate of the global hash rate. Hardware will be readily available, hosting will be available, and then it's just a question of where's the price of Bitcoin that is economically feasible to mine, and what price are you willing to pay to be in business today versus tomorrow versus next year. If some constraints are removed from the industry, Bitcoin's hash rate could grow immensely. As a result, profitability would diminish for new entrants seeking to mine BTC as the Bitcoin producing market gets more competitive, requiring players to have a greater share of the global hash rate to remain in business. Quote, it's an arms race. There are only 900 Bitcoin made each day currently, and there are a lot of people with a lot of capital that are chasing that. Teal told Bitcoin Magazine, an even more competitive mining market could lead to alternative products being offered as barriers of entry increase the required amount of capital to be deployed for mining profitability. Quote, 
I think you're going to see growth in some of these hash rate derivatives. Oh, God, Teal said. And as more demand for hash rate futures grows, then you're going to see industrial miners selling portions of their hash rate for a few months to finance miners or other equipment. And that will be a way that people can play in the industry without even having to buy miners. They can just buy hash rate, end quote. Purchasing hash rate directly enables miners to compete in getting block rewards without needing to rent a huge physical space, secure 24-7 efficient hosting, or require a lot of equipment up front. Quote, at the end of the day, you are mining because you want to heat up your garage or you are mining because you want to earn Bitcoin. And how do you want to go about paying potential for passive income relative to Bitcoin mining? Do you want to do it as an investor by just buying hash rate futures or investing in a public miner? Or do you want to buy miners yourself in mine, Teal ask? I, I think everybody is going to have to make a decision on their own and figure that out. Oh, so yeah, uh, this is going to get weird. You're, I mean, if the, if, if the ASIC chips get commoditized, then you'll, you'll start seeing stuff like, I don't know, them being included in your next LG television set or inside your refrigerator or God forbid inside your Roku box. I mean, you never know. And <clears throat> here's what's really interesting though. Let's say that these ASICs become very, very efficient and stop putting out the amount of heat that they put out now. All of a sudden, you've got a situation where you've got people that own stuff like greenhouses that very well may be the market to sell really old, in a, quote unquote, inefficient miners to because they want to be able to mine Bitcoin as they heat up their greenhouse at the same cost that they was going to be heating up their greenhouse anyway. If ASIC mining chips go down in the amount of heat that they will be producing, and they will because as they become more efficient, less heat will be released, then, then the sky's the limit. I mean, Teal has just, he's just ripped away, just scratched the surface on what the potential of all this is. This is, this is ridiculous. The explosion of mining that we're going to see is going to be in, incomprehensible. And here's the thing, you got all these assholes that are moving to proof of stake and here's Intel saying, uh, no, we want to build chips. They're not going to do this if they did not think that proof of work was really the way to go. And proof of work does a couple of things other than mine Bitcoin and secure the network, right? It provides heat. There are people heating their hot water with it. There are people that are heating greenhouses with them right now. That's, this isn't like some kind of pipe dream. I saw, a, a, I saw a tweet yesterday, a guy that's, you know, he's got at least one miner in a very large greenhouse. Sorry, cat, that's not actually going to heat that size of greenhouse, but he is doing it. There's another guy that's heating his hot water at his house with a couple of Bitcoin miners that are immersion cooled. It's amazing. I don't like, honestly, if you've got an old, like, you know, S series miner, never let it go. That thing could actually be more valuable as time goes on, as Bitcoin mining becomes more efficient. And what you've got is a heater that just happens to be able to mine Bitcoin because it won't, it won't be a quote unquote, like your S19, the most efficient mining uh, uh, rig on the face of the planet now turns into an inefficient mining rig that still makes you money that goes down into, hey, here's an old heater that I found that also happens to produce Bitcoin. You see how that progression goes? Don't get rid of your old mining rigs. Just don't do it. I guarantee you there's always going to be a market for them. Now, with all that said, that's going to be the end of the morning roundup. All right, let's end this up just by saying if you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. And if you don't want to do that, if for whatever reason you're still uncomfortable with the Lightning Network, using Lightning wallets, you know, don't want to get rid of your Bitcoin, I understand. I get it. I do think it's important moving forward into the future that you understand and learn how to work with podcasting 2.0 and gen in general value for value uh, consumption of content. 
because it's going to be the way everything goes. But if you don't want to do it, I get it. I understand. That's why I have a Patreon page, Bitcoin and podcast. Again, that is Bitcoin and podcast. It's on Patreon. Yes, I know it's a legacy bullshit system, but since I don't really go off that much about how the coronavirus is just a big farce and it's just a you know, bunch of shit and the whole vaccine thing is probably something more nefarious than I'd like to actually imagine myself. And believe me, I can imagine quite a bit. My wife bought me a tinfoil hat. Seriously, she actually bought me that for my birthday. And <laughs> I'm just saying, um, if you don't uh, want to use uh, podcasting 2.0, yeah, Patreon is the way to go because you can just use, you know, your regular fiat rails for it. Uh, there's a couple of other methods. I won't get into it now because I'm running a little bit long. I love keeping these things to right at an hour and I'm just about 25 seconds over. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.